What's up, everybody? This podcast is brought to you by Samsung because we are so proud to announce that they have launched a mobile-first film festival called Short and Sharp, and we are one of the co-founders. So what does it mean to be a co-founder? of a film festival. It essentially means that uh, we will be on the jury to kind of decide who walks away with the biggest prize of $20,000 for a short film that's like a minute long. That's all you have to do. You submit a film that's one minute long and who's on the jury, Terrence? Who else is on the jury? Luminaries in the Singapore film industry such as Eric Koo, Anthony Chen, the little Nonia, Jeanette Ao herself and... The two guys from Ministry of Funny. Hell yeah. I wanted to just also just say that actually one, one interesting thing about this film festival is that, you know, when so many film festivals are being postponed or cancelled or not even running at all, especially in Asia, mm. uh, we, we feel very proud that there's one actually that's going to go ahead in Singapore and everyone can be involved because as long as you're able to shoot something with a mobile phone, you can be be involved in it as well. Yeah, because it is a mobile-first film festival. So it only accepts films that are shot on mobile. And so a big shout-out to the people behind some, uh, at Samsung for kind of giving us the opportunity to share the stage with these luminaries mm. and encourage the creation of short films. But you know what I like best about the whole thing? The poster, man. Mm. We're going to put a link to the campaign mm. uh, where you can submit your, your short films but also where you can see the poster because you, you see all, all the other filmmakers, you know, like looking all dashing and like, you know, looking off screen and then you see us in... And it just it just fits our vibe la, of, of us just, just being... It looks like it's Photoshop, but it's not and we fucking love it. Yeah. As long as you have a smartphone, you can participate and potentially walk away with $20,000. Speaking of participation, the submission period is already ongoing. It's from 27 February to 26 March 2021 and the theme is what the world needs now. And you can enter at the link which we will put in the show notes. So go check it out. And now, on to the podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Ba ba ba. What now? It's it's on the night of Wednesday, and we're recording something audio. But mm. the whole of today, we were also doing something in the audio space, which yes. is what, Terence? It's a original scripted audio series that is um that is. I mean, we 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 won't we can't give too many details yet. Yeah, we can. Yeah, but it's something. It's a very interesting genre. It's not our usual genre, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's a pilot, right? Which could become a series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a it's not a passion project. It's not a hobby. It's actually for a network that you definitely have heard of, but which we can't say right now. We'll keep mm-hmm. the suspense there. Um, it's not for Singapore only. It's gonna yeah. travel the world. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and uh, got it's some cool ass actors on it. Yeah, a yeah, lot of familiar man. Familiar voices. <laughs> it's funny mm, to say mm, that. Mm. Yeah, familiar voices. Yeah, familiar that you voices. Might recognize. Mm. And but we yeah, totally like read it. We totally read it our office and I'm so proud of the makeshift DIY audio studio we built. It's fucking yeah. awesome. And yeah, it has yeah. fairy lights. It has yeah. fairy lights. Fairy lights, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, so I mean in the coming weeks at some point we will definitely be able to announce it because it's definitely coming out. It's not even an if. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely coming out. You yes. will hear about it and hopefully it gets turned into a series. Yep. yep. But yes. Now we're we're doing the, the thing that is that is what started it all this podcast. Yeah. I guess that content is a plug already right? So we can no let's not over plug. Let's not over plug. Or, uh, let's not over. everything. 
Yeah. You mean that's the that's the the slot for the single plug every week? Uh? We can't yeah, yeah, we yeah. can't do more than one plug. Uh. Let's not overdo it. Uh. I think there's okay, okay. people yeah. who are working on <laughs> while listening to this and all that, they're like they don't want to keep falling asleep. To <laughs> yeah, or falling asleep. Or working out. Um, you know. They need they need us yeah. to get to the action. Yeah, to the action, man. Yeah. I'm holding back saying the one thing I always talk about when we <laughs> talk about the things people do when listening to our podcast. Yeah, yeah your favorite Because thing. I mentioned it on the last podcast, so yeah. I will hold back. Starting to get creepy. Um, yeah, starting to get creepy. Yep. But yes, we can we can dive straight into mm. our first topic of the day, Yes. which is what, Terrence? It is the very tragic news that the arts, uh, I guess is a art center, whatever you call it, mm. uh, the substation. So which art, it, yeah. Yeah. Substation, which has been in existence for almost, I think, three decades now, um, yeah, off Armenian Street, right? Armenian Street, is yeah, it? Armenian Street, yeah, in yeah, Singapore. It's, it's Singapore's first independent contemporary art center, la. Yeah, and um, it has a lot announced, of terms there. Yeah, it's announced mm. that it is going to close down. Yes, but but not, yeah. not 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 for the reasons that you probably think, la. Not not because primarily because of COVID nineteen or what, la. But what's the yeah, yeah? I mean, what's the larger I mean, picture? Can you have a timeline? Yes, I do. In tab number I mean, thirty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is tab. I think twenty-two. Okay, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna guess it's twenty-two. So I mean, just just to give a a brief history of the substation, uh, the reason why it's called a substation is because the building that it is uh located in is uh is a is a power station. It used to be a power station. It was built in nineteen twenty-six. Um. In 1950, the PUB added a, a garden to house the outdoor equipment and it ended its operations in 1970s. Mm. So it was, a, it was a power station for a long time. Mm. And then um, in the 1980s, the, there was some some use uh, of it um, and then there was some kind of... It, it was, I think it was ping-ponging. It wasn't the most well-kept. Uh, and then in 1986, uh, the dramatist, uh, the late dramatist, Kwa Pao Kun, uh, who was any? Who was one of the cultural medallion winners, which is the highest accolade attributed to any artist in Singapore la, of any age, right? Um, he approached an architect, and he was very bullish about the potential of an arts center in Singapore, located at the substation, to bring together the arts community. Mm. And he has a few quotes which were, which you read now also were like, wow, this, this, this sounds like quite visionary, like He said he was worried about the art scene in Singapore, and he really wanted to give a space for up and coming artists to put out something. And I think he at some, he even said he didn't care about the end product. He just wanted artists to have a place to experiment and develop their craft even if it's an unfinished product. Mm-hmm. Um, and and over the years, I think that kind of coincided with like a, a resurgence of the art scene um, and it became like the hub. La. And uh, I mean, personally, I haven't interacted much with the substation but uh, I'm sure you also have been reading the accounts of artists in Singapore and over the years, wait, you know when they said it's over 30 years, I thought, wow, fuck, it's open in the 1960s. Then they said 1990, yeah. I was like, oh shit. Correct, 1990 correct. was 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, for those who haven't, yeah. un- haven't had the good fortune of hitting that 30s yet, it's kind of like, history just sort of becomes this, like, it, it used to be a timeline where you could actually count backwards quite easily. <laughs> yeah, but once you're past 30, somehow everything just condenses into like, 30 years and, and above beyond it'll go right yeah exactly when I saw 1990 I was like huh what yeah. oh fuck that was 30 years ago yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was one thing that, that hit me um, mm. but yeah over the years um, there, there were quite a lot of 
things that happen there. I mean, if you look at a lot of playwrights, a lot of musicians, a lot of independent filmmakers, independent artists in Singapore, they a lot of them had some sort of experience with the substation uh, where it provided the the launch pad or, or just uh, uh, an experiment and a ground for them to experiment and dabble in something before they became known. Um, and over the years, yeah, it became... I, I've heard of the substation. Admittedly, I only came to hear of it because... At one point, it started leasing out the back, uh, uh, it, it's back to Timber, mm. uh, which is the bar slash venue for live performances. And I always knew Timber at Substation. I, I didn't know Substation was actually a thing. Mm. I thought it was kind of like a, a location. So over the years, they built up a lot of um, goodwill, a lot of strength in building the community together. Uh, and this week, yeah, they announced their closure. So that's the the history from where it started to where it is now. Do you want me to carry on, or do you want to do you want to <clears throat> fill in the last the last last few weeks? No, I think I think the last few weeks it's uh, important to sort of go through like what what we've been what we've been hearing in the press, okay, and 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 what we've been seeing on Facebook from artists who are all coming out and you know and, and protesting and everything. Yeah, so so from what I understand, even before the past few weeks, I think it was three years ago that the NAC, the National Arts Council, kind of said that okay, they need to renovate the building, uh, because it is a it is a building of cultural value or something, and it needed to undergo renovation to preserve its structural integrity, which means they're not demolishing it; they want to renovate it, lah. And I think even back then there was some pushback from the. Uh, the team behind the substation, they do employ full-time staff saying that, okay, they were worried about what's going to happen to the space after renovation. Because, mm. I mean, like, you see it happen everywhere, right? Hawkers, malls, the the places, the, the tenants are given temporary spots and then they come back. I think there was some talk of, like, some fear there. Um, and then earlier this year, there was a proposal or there was some discussions apparently between NAC and um, substation saying that, okay, post-renovation, uh, s- the substation cannot return as the sole tenant mm. uh, of that building and it would be shared with other arts groups. Mm. Um, and they can still carry on operating, but they need to share it. La. So there was it was a decision by the board of substation actually, not the employees, the board saying that, you know, they didn't they felt it would lose uh, their identity. They're so tied to the place, they would lose the autonomy. So they they made the decision to close down. Mm-hmm. And then there have been a lot of people sharing on social media saying it's, you know, like I think the, a former artistic director of the substation said it's one of the saddest days in the Singapore art scene. A lot of musicians came out saying it's such a sad day for it to close down. So many memories and a lot of that going on. Um, so that's that's what I understand to be the overall picture. Did I miss out anything? Uh, no, but I think the, the more interesting or juicier parts of it is that I think the NAC, um, I think today or about a day ago or something, came out and said, um, you know, it's saddened and, and regrets the action by the board of the substation to close it down. Um, mm. Because I think what you're seeing is competing uh, competing interests here. La. NAC wants the building to be opened up to more other tenants as well. and then mm. uh, But the substation wants to continue running as a non-profit organization and the sole tenant and the sole the only one that can use that building and so I think I think um, some numbers were also revealed about uh, in, in the same news articles about how much rent uh, substation pays so every month I think mm. 
substation pays about $4,500 in rent to NAC. Mm. Which, mm. Um, I mean, if you think about the size of the building and the location of the building in the heart of the city centre. The CBD. Yeah. yeah. Plus the fact that they can actually rent out, sublet out some of the space for FMB like timber at, at substation, right? Uh, 4,005 mm. is a very low amount, right? Very, 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 mm. very low. So that's one mm. interesting fact. Um, another fact is that I think NAC also gives grants to some of these uh, because substation is what we call an institute of public uh, public what? Uh, public uh, public, public service? Ca- no. no um, basically, ch- in Singapore, the, the charities have different levels, right? Then you don't just say I'm a charity and then... Public character, is it? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually designated as an institute of public character, which means mm. that it has gone through a further... It goes through a further level of scrutiny, but also... Is 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 able to be to be given more grants uh, as well by the mm. from the NAC. So I think like for example, uh, our friends Singlit Station, you know, was mm. a very new charity that eventually also became an institute of public character and all uh. Um mm. So these are considered very important institutes that that and that grants them uh, the uh, the ability to fundraise in certain ways that other charities cannot uh, You know, <clears throat> so. All in all, like um, I think there was a number as well that the substation. I I want to I want to I want to get it correct. Like, I don't want to, to screw it up. They they, and 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 what NAC was saying was that um, uh, substation they about I think thirty to thirty five percent of its annual budget comes from government grants. Mm. Um, are you looking at the article on today as well? Um, one of the articles. Okay, Go I on. mean um. Yeah. I, I, I'm just like speed reading through it. But they say basically about... Uh, okay. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Yes, about 40, 40... Okay, no. From 2017 to 2019, government grants formed about 45% of the center's income, while another 41% was from rental income earned from a subsidized space at the building, such as the space mm. it leases to bar and bistro timber. And, mm. um, and they said that... Uh, Substations arts programming activity has reduced over the years and expenditure for programming made up only 23% of its operational expenses over the same period. So mm. NAC was also quoted saying that uh, it, they believe that it would not be feasible for any arts company to be sustainable if it relies on almost 90% of its income from government funding, including the commercial tenancy income it derives from leasing out parts of the subsidized premises. So, so basically what it's saying is that if your if your business purely survives only on government funding, plus renting mm. out your premises, which is already a subsidized, we subsidize the government subsidize your rental, and then you you get to sublet the premises for higher price. Um, mm. If that is your business model, it it is it doesn't fly lah. It's not feasible. Mm. That's why mm. they they uh they wanted you know the substation to to also I think give up parts of the building allow other arts groups also to be able to use it and and for the broader arts community lah. but yeah, um, I think yeah yeah. A- and I think the remaining income comes from the rental of their studios and black boxes and all that yeah, lah, yeah, yeah. right so it's all rental so lah, right um, so yeah it's I mean, all rental I quote from the from the Straits Times uh, one of the I think the arts editor Ong Sofen she said that basically what the board has decided to do is the nuclear option. Uh. It's basically like, mm. oh, okay, since we're not getting what we want, 
they will just blow it up, lah. You know, like we'll just shut mm, it down. Mm. Thirty years, whatever, we we'll just shut it down. Because actually, the the truth is, they still have four months left on their lease to think mm. about ways, you know, to negotiate or think about other ways that substation can exist. Uh, you know, whether as uh, a subtenant of this building or somewhere else or even online or whatever, lah. You know, uh, yeah. but they decide not to. I decide just shut it down, lah. Um, mm. and and I think this is not the end of the story yet. I think I believe this weekend. There's going to be a town hall for the arts community to to sort of understand what the situation is and and see what 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 may or can be done to maybe save the substation. Yeah, yeah. So so Eddie, uh, like looking at the entire picture, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh? uh, to be honest, my initial thought was, I read the NAC answer and I thought actually that makes sense. You know, if if. If yeah, if the arts company can't really survive on its own two feet and all that, why should you know taxpayer money be constantly thrown at it to, to survive and even to the point of like, they get subsidized rental and then they rent out a space, below their their building and all that uh, you know, to to mm. and they earn money from the rental and all, and things like that. Because at the end of the day in Singapore, that's the way that's where most of the capital lies, right? Real estate, right? Yeah, because real estate yeah. is so expensive. That that's my initial thought, uh. Um, how about you? What do you think? Um, I mean, my initial thought was that uh, okay, I I know of the substation. I didn't know about the history. So mm. my initial thought was um, still like ah oh, fuck, it's it's NAC again doing a disservice to the arts community, and it it it, it just reminded me of like ah oh, fuck last year, you know the thing where artists are non-essential and mm. fucking Singapore doesn't appreciate the arts and all that. But mm. the more I dug into it, right, the more it became less straightforward for for me, like, Especially mm. when, when I read that it was mainly the board's decision to close down, mm. um, as opposed to, um, like having the town hall before making the decision. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the one the one kicker for me was this one article where, uh, Mister Chu King Chuan, who's the chairman of the board. Mm. Right. Um. He said they had begun strenuous fundraising for substantive, substance, substantive donations for over a year and had not met with any success. I mean, understanding that with the pandemic, yeah, like raising money would probably not have been easy, like, Right. Everyone mm. felt a pinch. Um. And mm. the arts is never, never the easiest thing to raise money for, especially in the context of a pandemic where people are dying, like, Right. Mm. Um. Um. But then in that same article, um. He said, there was one quote where he says, uh, okay, he acknowledges that the arts community is aggrieved with the decision. We felt that in the end, we as the board were the ones who carried the responsibilities and the burdens of our duty towards the institution and the staff. And that he thinks at the back of their minds, they didn't believe that the deep sympathies of our supportive public could translate sufficiently into the financial support we needed, nor reverse the decisions of the NOC whose actions ultimately decided our fate. Um, and he even said, perhaps we could have initiated a save the substation public campaign, which we did not. Mm, mm. So when I read that, I'm like, hmm, mm. uh, that feels a little, a little disappointing, mm. in the sense that here's um, uh, an entity that has survived for thirty years, and for them to not be aware um, of the of the public perception to it, either means that they are fucking clueless. Uh, or they are disconnected, lah. Which then, to me, makes me think: Are these the right people for the board? Um, Wait, so and when you're saying you're saying that they're not aware of a public perception, what 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 public perception are you referring to? I mean, so so basically, um, we we okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
they they did not believe that the deep sympathies of our supportive public could translate sufficiently into the financial support we needed, nor reverse the decisions of the NEC whose actions ultimately decided our fate, and that they could have initiated a save the substation public campaign, but they did not. Mm. So, so I just feel like. Mm, Okay, this feels like okay. There's maybe there's maybe more things under the surface, lah. And then I started thinking like, oh shit, is this the just another thing of like, was it, is it something through with how it was run? Like legitimately, mm. did they do all they can to kind of find a sustainable business model? I don't mm. know. So that's when the questions blurred the the my perception of it. Like, like is it is it mm. really NAC just f- fucking up the art scene mm. like they've done in the past or? Mm. Is it more grey lah? So that was my thoughts lah. I mean, the it's interesting that you and I both do. I mean, aside aside from the online chatter lah, you and yeah. I both we don't have much memories of doing much at the substation lah, right? Yeah, you know because I think we never grew up as the art the arts kind of people lah, right? Yeah, we, yeah. You you play hockey. And you know, I was a nerd and playing video games and stuff like that, right? So yeah. going to substation and all that, maybe I mean when we were younger, at least it wasn't a very attractive point and all. Um yeah. and, and and so I think we it basically shows that maybe there is a bit of a divide, right, between those people who are so loyally devoted to the substation, you know, the artists and the people in the arts scene. And then you know you know mm. the way I'm pronouncing arts. There's a reason why I'm pronouncing arts like that. Uh. Um, mm, why? It's just that that whole um, I'm so artistic uh, sex, sex, section of society that is very disconnected from from a lot of the realities of 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 uh, Singapore society as well, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you and I have encountered it meeting meeting certain types of people and and you know in in media and everything, and, and mm. especially the fact that we are the we are the unwanted we are the unwanted children of of both the media scene and the art scene right? Yeah, uh, when right. we go to media scene, we are seen as like oh you're started on YouTube, uh, you're not trained everything, you don't know no experience yeah. or that. Oh, you all didn't go to film school, yeah, yeah. Oh. And then oh, when we I go see, to when we talk about arts, like in terms of like the arts, then we say, "What? Huh? Movie making movies is like just a commercial endeavor. It's bullshit, like You know, compared to like painting mm. or other more traditional forms of of visual arts. Uh. So, Mm-mm. so, 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 we've always seen it from the outside, and and so I, I, yeah, like you, I don't feel that special affinity to the substation. Uh. But for for fact, I know of its existence. I know that it's there. Uh, I know that sometimes, like you know, during the night night festival in Singapore and things like that, uh, there's very interesting activities along Armenian Walk because the substation is that in that area and there's an exhibition at substation. So mm. um, maybe it's just that yeah, substation just never caught up with the times, uh, you know, the times meaning that they never caught up with the younger people who are looking for stuff on the internet. They never caught up with social media marketing and and you know getting more young. Really young, uh, the young masses are uh, right interested in to mm. come to the substation. Uh. Uh, of course, mm. like probably a lot of people will crucify me saying that oh, you know I watch so many punk rock bands and indie bands at the substation. But I mean, yeah, But I, I, it just really wasn't my experience, uh, right? Just wasn't my yeah. thing back then when I was a good Christian boy and all that, uh, right? A good Christian boy. Now you're a horrible atheist. I'm a, hor- I'm a horrible. Yeah, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so so maybe it is like what you were saying is that, and, and what our experience is informing is that, uh, yeah, it also is an organization that hasn't moved with the times and embraced other ways of of you know getting funding and getting audiences, right? Yeah, because I mean, like I I still definitely feel there needs to be a space in Singapore where there can be some experimental. Uh, things being done like, because okay for example there is this thing that uh, IMDA created a few years ago called Pixel Pixel Studios right um, it is you can look it up on Google it is meant to be a hub for digital creators where they have sets they have equipment they have studios and if you're creating content that is not commercial which means just for YouTube just for Instagram you are free to use it it's free you know, and it's accessible. It's not in some Ulu part of Singapore. It's in One North. Mm, mm, but mm. then, to film something there, you have to submit a proposal, submit this, submit that. And it's a fucking cumbersome process. I think it's gotten mm. better over the years, but it's cumbersome as shit. And mm. already being in the media, in the arts in Singapore, it's not, you can't spread, you can't spend that much time doing things. You also need to think about the commercial side of things. Like, is it really going to be a starving artist? Mm. It almost feels like, ah, oh, fuck. And it's a it's not the most used space la. So mm. I think the substation fill that gap. You know, uh, from mm. reading it, it feels like okay, as long as you wanted to perform something, it doesn't matter what you know. The space is yours as, at a subsidized rate. But mm. then at the same time, um, when I was reading up on the history of the substation, I came across this one article that talked about um the artistic director Alan Oi. I don't know. I don't think he's the current artistic director, but in 2016, 2017, he. Had a, he announced a whole bunch of decisions how, on how to revamp the uh, the substation. Mm-hmm. And he talked about, you know, making a research and development space for new forms of content creation, um, you know, uh, re- kind of reducing the subsidies for rental spaces to, to like, bring in more funds for, for the space to, to really change things, um, which he said could not have been changed slowly la, because everything was very, it was very, it was very, it needed to move with the times. Um, and I think he was, he, I feel like, I mean, just from reading it, it felt like, it feels like he was kind of very, he was proposing a lot of changes. Uh, and it was met with a lot of backlash. It was met by backlash from the community, from artists saying that, you know, then you're going to lose what it means to be the substation. You're going to lose the essence of, of you know, having cheap rental spaces and all that. Mm. So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, maybe he was a shitty leader. Maybe he was a shitty communicator. But, you and I have both experienced firsthand uh, our experience coming into the media scene from YouTube, not going on the traditional, you know, go to film school, you know, like like all art house movies and all that. When we interact with people on our set as well, who are of the old guard, you know, and we tell them, okay, you know, um, the, the light is not perfect. This is not perfect. We just run and gun like how we do on YouTube and we hear pushback. Like, we're like, you know, that's not how it's done. You know, you can't do it this way. It's always done this way. And we're like, uh, no, we we have no more time to get it perfect. We just need to move on, which is what YouTube mm. has trained us. Yeah. But that pushback is something that always annoys me. And when I read this article, it feels like, oh shit, could it have been something there? Like maybe he kind of, I don't know his history. I don't know him. I don't know what his expertise is. But if he was trying to push for changes to kind of keep substation evolving with the times, but met a lot of, backlash mm. or pushback then it feels like the same old problem that we've both seen with the media scene in Singapore um, that it, it it is all it sometimes it's just 
people hold on too much to their artistic desires without thinking about the commercial side of things. Mm. And in the end, yeah, it just it just it just causes more problems lah sometimes. But, but there there might be a case where there really is no commercial side of things for a, a work of art lah, right? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you true. Create something just purely because you just want to say something lah, not because you're trying to true. sell it. Yeah, true. That is true, and and it's always the debate, lah. You know, it's always the debate. I'm sure some people listening to our podcast, when you hear the the ad at the start, the pre roll ad, we might cross your mind like, oh shit, you know, all these people are taking the influencer dollars, yeah. you know, their sellouts and yeah. all that. But the reality is, if we don't do that, uh, we are fucked. Yeah, but okay, so so I I mean I did yeah it did cross my mind about that lah. That I mean. After all, we are talking about the arts scene and it is strangely reminiscent to something that we talked about recently, which was the way Facebook decided, okay, we're going to pull out of Australia. We're going to pull our, pull our support for news, news sites in Australia, right? When they yeah. were in the, the yeah. middle of negotiations, they didn't get what they want wanted and then they just took the nuclear option and, and said, fuck it, you know? And then like, and then everyone was freaking out and all that. So... I mean, I'm seeing a little bit of that here where, where yeah, like just announcing that they're closing down is a bit of a nuclear option. And uh, yeah, interesting that you brought up that they haven't gone through, uh, you know, the process of trying to raise money and, and you know, get a public drive going. But at the same time, like, the truth is that, um, you know, um, when raising money is not easy, like, right? You know, whether it's fundraising yeah, or charity fundraising. Crowdfunding and all that. Yeah. It sounds easy. It sounds easy. It sounds yeah. like, oh, it's fantastic. But when you actually have to do it, it's it's a real, like, it's tough. Like, it's, it's really like, you have to put your ego aside. You have to, you know, do a lot of things that maybe you didn't enjoy doing before, like networking, rubbish shoulders, blah, blah, all that. So that's fine. But, mm. but it's just, um, maybe just beyond a certain point, they just felt like, you know, we just don't want to have to keep running campaigns to to prove the value of our existence in Singapore anymore. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, I mm. think we were, you and I, we were having lunch with an artist who left Singapore uh, recently and, mm. and, and moved to uh, moved to another Asian country. And, just, and one thing he, he said, like really resonated, like, that, that he said that when day in, day out, your existence, your job, your your reason for being, like, your raison d'etre, as the, you know, as, as that, the, as the saying goes, like, when your your reason for being is just every day just constantly being questioned, you also, after after a while, you just lose energy and you just don't want to have to answer anymore about it already, like, right? You don't want, mm. whether it's about raising, uh, like creating a crowdfunding campaign to raise money or what, there's just a general fatigue after a while when whether it's your parents or your cousins or your ex-colleagues or your friends or what, questioning every decision you make in pursuing the yeah. the one thing that you know that you want to do like, right yeah and it's just very heartbreaking that way so in mm. some sense i also feel that on their their side like for them to say that they don't want to do a, a big save the save the substation campaign i also understand why they would say that lah mm. mm. because mm. Do, you, do you remember a few years ago when when uh yeah, maybe not a one-for-one one comparison, but I would say also uh, it has quite some similarities and in fact, probably more mass appeal. Lah. Remember when, when yeah. Zook was first, well, Zook, when there used to be at Jakim Street and then, mm-hmm. then it was a beautiful warehouse that they made a beautiful place that a lot of us have grown up over. The, we grew up 
in our teenage and, and later years with a lot of beautiful, mm. beautiful, beautiful memories of Wednesday nights at Zook and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, I mean, I, for me lah, like, for you, for you, I know, I know there were a couple that I scared you. <laughs> they were nightmares, lah, like, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were they were nightmares. Yeah. Just for context, like uh, there was one time I think uh, I ended up in a club with Terence and a bunch of friends, and I got so pissed off because I was hammered as shit, like, Um, and I couldn't think straight, and I literally just left. And my cousin came down from Malaysia to hang out with me and my friends, and I left him there with my friends. Yeah, he left him there with me. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but but I digress. Yeah. Yeah. So, but 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 remember, yeah. So when Zook was later. Uh, I think they were forced to move out from Jakim Street because they, mm. the the zone was designated as a residential or site or something like that. Uh, there was also a Save Zook campaign that, that ran and then, you know, they interviewed celebrities, they interviewed uh, people who had memories there, they interviewed people who, you know, did their wedding photo shoots there and stuff like that. So, mm. even after, after all that hoo-ha, a place like Zook, that, that, you know, a commercial place that, I think people have a lot of memories of her. After all the hoo-ha video, article, and then they still lost the fight and they still had to move out and move to a new location, Clark Key, which mm. um, for those who for those who never experienced Zook at Jakim, Clark Key is, uh, is, 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 not, is not the same. It's a, it's a yeah. very different experience. I'm, I'm not even a Zook uh, evangelist, but even I went to the Clark Key once, I was like, what the fuck is this? It yeah. feels like this new modern age club. It doesn't have any aspect of Zook. Yeah, no personality so at in, all, right? In some, way, in some way, what you're talking about is almost like the gentrification of the arts, right? right, right, right. Because to, to NAC's defense, they did say that they're not turning it into a mall. Okay, they're not turning it into some sort of hipster cafe or something or like some some fucking biochemical STEM research center. They are going to turn it into a space that can be shared with other arts groups. Mm. But uh, just using that Zook analogy, the, the at Jack Kim and at Clark Kim, they're both Zook, but mm. they feel fucking different, mm. right? Mm. Correct, correct. So, so maybe like the substation's fear was that it's not going to be the same. It's going to be run very differently. It's going to be almost soulless. Because if you think about Armenian Street, right, slowly the things around it have been creeping in. You know, mm. the SMU extended the building. Then there was this, there's fucking a behemoth of a building by SMU. It looks like a big Dyson vacuum cleaner. Um, and it's right next to it. Like, and it feels like, um, yeah, then Capital Theatre was renovated. It feels like maybe they are enroaching into the space. Uh, you know, the slick concrete walls is going to re- replace the traditional kind of thing. Yeah. This one, the 45 Armenian Street is a cultural building, but maybe, maybe, yeah, like what you said, maybe they were like, you know what? It's not going to be the same. And maybe there was things being discussed that, about the, the losing that that very hard to quantify aspect of, of tradition and culture. And maybe that's what they were they were uh, protesting against lah. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, and maybe the only way that you you get attention is to do the nuclear option now, because which is why we are talking about it lah. Yeah, the reason uh, exactly the the only way to get people to talk about it is by doing something that uh, riles up everybody, uh, riles up the NAC, riles up the public, and all lah. Because honestly, if you start to engage, I mean, you already yeah lah, you. You definitely uh you have to cede some territory and it's a compromise in some way or another. And a lot of times when it comes to experimental art and all that, um yeah, they they always tell you don't don't compromise what your vision is and things like that, right? So so mm. so they to 
they need to walk the talk as well. Like they need to walk the talk and say we're not going to compromise on our vision of what the space should be, and 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 do it as such. Uh. So, wow, oh, does that matter, sir? Yeah. So so in the sense, maybe I, yeah. in the sense, I felt like the NACs, you know, coming out with all the figures or in and and all is is they're trying to paint the substation as a it's not as in not a very well run business or anything like right, but mm. but really like if you think about it. A business is not just about the numbers. It's not just about the income and the outcome and uh, sorry, income and revenue and everything. It's also about the strength of the brand. And if you think about Substation as a brand, the fact that you and I have never been there, but we know it exists. We know exactly where it is in Singapore. We know that if you go there, you will see some shit that will make your, your brain go, huh? Or, or go nuts, huh, right? So the mm. fact that it, it has over the years managed to build up this kind of branding kind of thing. And you and I both know that Building a brand actually is like is a lot harder than than it sounds like, right? Like like mm. whether it's a a brand on Instagram or a brand on on YouTube or anything like that, it's not just anybody or even a brand like like our podcast, like, right? It's not just anybody mm. with a microphone just picks it up and then and then oh this is what it is. It takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of time to build up that brand and that that intrinsic value of the brand can't be quantified so easily with numbers, like, which is what NAC is trying to do, like. And I feel that um. It does not is 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 not a very good way to be thinking about something when it comes to the arts, uh, this kind of soft power item. Uh. Mm. So so mm. at first the very, the very the the seductive uh, press release statement from NAC was speaking very strongly to my logical mind, but the more I thought mm. about it, then the more I thought, yeah, it's not it's not it's not um. If if we've ever felt unhappy about the National Library closing, about the McDonald's at East Coast Park closing, about um you know Zook having to move, this is also something that we also should not be happy about like, especially because it it, it is an institute of public character as well like, right. Mm. Yeah, because like what like what you said, I think it was a very compelling argument based on logic mm. uh, which is what uh I started this podcast with, mm. but then. Yeah, I think you brought up an interesting point about the brand. Like, because I was just thinking, like, let's say, you know, like, let's say, because, okay, the, the way the NAC was painting it was that, you know, this is prime land. And they did say that it is not financially sustainable if they carried on that way. Like, which means you are evaluating it like you would any other business or any other space in that area, like, almost, yeah, right? Yeah, correct. Um, and I think that brand thing is quite interesting because if you take, for example, say the Malayan, right? Mm, mm, mm. Uh, at, at where at, at the waterfront, right? Mm. Um, I mean, you could have, I don't know, Xiaomi or or some uh, some tech company build a concept store in that space, mm. right? You know, just like Apple did across the water, you have, you have that space for another concept store. Mm. But um, the good thing about the Malayan is you can almost quantify the economic impact because it's a huge tourism spot. Mm, right mm. so so in some way that that's a brand that has been uh that that remains because there's a lot of value to that yeah. i think what you were saying about the substation being a brand is almost if it's almost like a symbol of the art scene that has a that has very intangible and unquantifiable benefits mm, exactly exactly uh and and the mm, other that's interesting the other thing I think about is like, okay, like NEC wants to bring in other other co-tenants and everything, but in the end, then who's going to curate and run the space? Is it the NEC? You know, so, and it's very different when a government institution runs a place versus a, a private non-profit 
organization mm. runs the place, lah. Because, I mean, if you want a, an example of another place that they try to, you know, uh, we'll bring in a lot of different galleries to come together, and this is awesome space, and it's going to be thriving, and everyone's going to be hanging out there. I mean, just head down, not too far away, head down Alexandra Road and go to uh, Gilman Barracks right Gilman now. Gilman Barracks. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it's empty, man. It's em- the place is empty, man. Last time it was also it was also a a, a thriving art scene, right? No, no, it was it was meant as such. It was meant to be like art galleries, like you know, beautiful, like big, beautiful art galleries, the biggest galleries in Asia, all represented here, and having interesting exhibitions that the public will come, and then there'll be street festivals and all that. I mean, where's all that? You know, no, no nowhere. No, there's no, there's no crowd. There's nothing. You know. No one's there at all. And, and mm, mm. with that staring at our mm. faces is reminding us of the failures of like, of a, you know, um, a committee coming together and, and, and trying to create a hub. Uh. I, 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 f- I worry like, when I see that NAC is so intent on like making, you know, sharing it for everyone to make it fair and all that kind of thing, like, you know. So then, so then like how, are there any examples you've seen within Singapore or outside of Singapore where, Things that are maybe not the most economically viable are maintained or, or supported or funded because they have this inquantifiable, this qualitative aspect to it. Uh, that's a very interesting question. I am very sure I have examples, but I probably have forgotten them. Uh, mm. In I, Singapore or outside no, of Singapore? Out, outside of Singapore. La, because I... I uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that I have examples in the back of my okay okay for I mean for for example like like uh when I lived in New York City right there are certain there are certain buildings you know just residential buildings they're not any special buildings on it there are certain residential buildings that are uh you know that because of the history and the architecture and 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 and, and uh the fact that it was considered low cost housing for for certain groups of people and things like that, certain minorities and all, the uh, even up to today, there are like you know there are there are rules in place for the the rental of that place, like it's rent control, like basically they they call rent control uh flats and things like that. So so mm. um, it, it, part part of it is also to to maintain the demographics of the place, uh, that it doesn't become overly gentrified, uh, So so mm. even even little things like that, I think, um. In Singapore, we're very demolition happy, We we tear down forests even when we don't have instructions to tear them down. <laughs> so we 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 add towards uh, uh, looking forward rather than looking back at what we what we have. Uh. And, and I think mm. that's that's the mindset. That's a mindset thing, like, Basically, it's a mindset thing of like just I, let's just throw let's just throw something away and build something new rather than rather than let's let's see what we already have and, and fix it and build it up from there, la. I I guess I mean um. Uh, I I guess that's one of the points. You know, like how there there was one podcast we did talking about the UN, UN, UNESCO status uh, mm-hmm. awarded to hawker culture, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, and I think I was like, okay. I mean, I hope there's something good that comes out of it, but mm. is it really that good? Is it? And and I guess things like that protect against uh things that cannot be lost, la, Right. If there was a if let's say the substation was granted a like a UNESCO heritage site. Mm. regardless of whether it's financially sustainable, unsustainable and all, you know that it has some sort of protection. Yes, yes, right? correct. So maybe, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess that 
that that then it becomes that that age old debate on whether Singapore or not can can Singapore can afford uh things like the arts like you know we have we have had that debate for how many fucking years really um and it's it's a very sad debate like because i think there was there was one i think it was you who told me this one quote about how you you pay i mean arts arts shouldn't be seen it should be seen as a public utility or something something mm. like that was it you who yeah. told me uh because I was fuck. I can't. I was talking about Facebook. I can't remember. I was talking about social media and Facebook and all that. I think. No, I think there was another thing. Never mind. Never mind. But but uh, essentially, so okay. So so another thing that uh like did come uh occur to me that okay, a lot of people definitely care about this, right? Mm. Um, and looking at the run rate, I mean, they don't require a fucking high budget, like right? Mm. I'm I'm just surprised that even if it's a million dollars a year, how come there's no rich fuck who just who just wants to provide like a be a I don't know a trustee or something like that because you know I mean Singapore there's a lot of wealth lah and like mm. the I I just found it a little surprising like that they it has they haven't gotten any patrons or like there haven't been any patrons who come for or is it just I don't know that that was one question I know it's a very naive way of looking at it yeah hey, only needs a million dollars a lot of millionaires in Singapore mm. why can't they just come together yeah. I know it's not that simple but I just thought it was it's not a ridiculously large amount. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, it just, it, I, I guess, it, it just feels sad that that it was closed down like that mm. without. Yeah, it's just very abrupt, right? I think I think that's what shocked everyone, and in in yeah. that sense, maybe it was part of their strategy. You know, yeah. like okay, do we want to? The NOC doesn't think we have leverage. Let's mm. just close down and let them feel the wrath yeah. of the people we know care who care about substation. Like. Yeah. To your to your earlier question, I think it's very interesting yeah. because while researching this article, uh, I came across. There was a CNA luxury tour of the Sheng Xiong founder's house, thirty-three million dollar house. Yeah. Uh, there was news <laughs> about Peter Lim selling yeah. selling Valencia Football Club to the Johor Prince. Um, you know, so and and yeah, so there are, and and just over the weekend, I I was at Keyside Isle in Sentosa, and I just walked past so many boats that cost at least at least like one or two million dollars and. People going out for their sunset cruises while drinking champagne, wearing white linen, and things like that, lah. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely, you want a million dollars a year? That definitely is definitely out there. But I think because in Singapore, going back to what the artists who left Singapore told us was, is that basically everyone just looks at you like you are you're non-essential, lah. Like, why are you pursuing this non-essential mm. thing? Like why? Why mm. of all the good things in the world? Why are you doing this thing? Is is useless? You know, you don't add anything to society. Versus what he's experiencing in the country that he's living now, where it's like, yeah lah, it, art is seen as a, a national initiative. It's something that you need to protect. You need to embrace. It's like your, it's part of your history. It's part of your culture. You need to invest money. You need to make difficult decisions to protect it, lah. You know, so is mm-hmm. is in Singapore if the people at the very top are thinking that way. They look at your budget and that's how they judge whether you, you should run a place, right? They look at your annual budget mm. and that's the sole and that's the sole justification for why you you cannot run a place properly. Then that's I mean it, it all trickles down to everyone below like, whether it's the, the wealthy people or what. They just feel that arts in Singapore is, is pointless to to support it or pursue it. Like. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And with that, we will announce that this is the last episode of the <laughs> Yalabad podcast. 
thankfully, we are not artists in that sense, lah. We are yeah, we're not we're sellouts. We're, artists. we're sellouts. We are <laughs> we're yeah, influ- we are influencers, influencer, YouTuber, podcaster, sellouts, ah. <laughs> we're not we're not filmmakers. Actually, it's a bit ironic that we're saying this because yeah. if you're listening to this, you would have heard the little plug at the start of the podcast mm. about a little a little film festival that we are we're one of the founders for. Mm. So so yeah. kudos. To to them for like Recon- championing our cause and, and recognizing that that you know art is more than just like buying a buying a ticket and going to a golden village to watch something like that art can also exist on other platforms and other forms as well right yeah you could be watching something naked on your couch but you're still supporting the arts what what right? you need so to you, every episode you need to so bring if out you, an image of if someone you are, naked if you are listening to this podcast with or without clothes a big thank you to you man. A big thank you to you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say gender. I just said with or without clothes. Yeah. And so, but fucking, <laughs> wow, this segue, you just put oh. me in this corner there. I'm like, wow, what kind yeah, of segue can there be for well, this? Well, I've, I've de-segued the segue king. Yeah, you've, you've, <laughs> yeah you've, you've put something on the railway track to just derail me. Yeah, that's right. But, um, Fuck yeah, man. No, actually, actually, no, I think, uh, <laughs> Well, this is not something that you <laughs> you do naked, but it's something that um will make you look very good naked lah. Oh, okay, okay, uh, okay. If you do a lot of this. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you don't do it naked, but if you will look good naked if you do a lot of this. And what is this? Yeah. <laughs> it is spin class. Yes. Spin class, which until a few years ago, I literally thought it was something to do like dance with dance or something. But spin class is actually a cycling class that is done with music uh, and lights and very enthusiastic instructors. Mm. I've never been to a spin class. I've seen many videos of spin class instructors teaching their class. Have you been to a spin class? Uh, no, never. No. And we're, okay, we're not talking about spin classes specifically, but we're talking about the potential repercussions of not just spin class, like any any uh, exhausting class, uh, physical class that pushes you to the limit. La. And the mm. reason why we're talking about it is because a few days ago, there were two women who were um, hospitalized with a potentially fatal muscle breakdown after spin class. Um, the condition is called rhabdomyolysis, yes. which is a condition where muscles are injured or overworked and start to break down and may ultimately lead to kidney failure and even death. Yes. So so what wow, you're dealing with a with with with, with a caller. No delivery a, no I mean a pickup. Oh delivery. Uh, pickup courier pickup. Oh pickup pickup. But don't worry. Courier pickup. Yes. Yeah, so um that that no, I think uh, they were just, they were Yeah, you go through the the timeline a little bit. Like, I'm I'm still here. I'm still here. It's just in case I need yeah. to be at my door. So, yeah, so the timeline was, uh, let's see. Um, these two women went for a spin class on Friday, February 19th. Uh, they went to the spin class uh, and one of them, Michelle, she headed to work right after like, and then she felt muscle soreness uh, that set in in the day after. Uh, and she she had been a, a person who, I mean, she's someone who exercised regularly, uh, doing MMA and all that stuff. Uh, but three days after the class, she woke up feeling very weak and that she could not move her legs normally. And the initial soreness in the thigh muscles uh, became kind of like a cramp feeling. And according to her, it felt like her legs had been hit by a truck. Um, and at the same time, uh, Stephanie um, 
uh, who felt something similar earlier when she took a class earlier in February felt uh, uh, so severe that she had to use she had to go straight to the uh, I think so they, they they couldn't move around on their own like they had to take like a, a grab and they had to order food through food delivery and they were wondering what the hell happened like. yep, yep. so then yep. uh, they found that their urine eventually turned a dark Coca-Cola color mm. Correct, so then correct. they went to the hospital and they find out that they were suffering from this rhabdomyolysis. Mm. So, Which is what is actually, uh, then, this rhabdomyolysis, right? Is it a new yeah. thing that has come out recently? I don't think it's a new thing. Uh, I think it's like uh, one of those, like those many things which have been happening for a long time but which mm. are only getting more and more airtime because of social media. Mm. And I know, I mean, have you have you interacted with anyone who has suffered from this sort of Rhabdo my myelosis. Well, I know I know someone who got it also from spin spin class as well. Oh really? Uh, yeah. And and really uh, ended like, up well, hospital everything. But but how how do you do you recall what they experienced? Yeah, it was uh it was also their first spin class ever. And and I mm. think she just overdid it in that first class. Lo. And uh yeah. yeah, it was just uh it was a friend's uh girlfriend. So, was, I mean, she told it as, I mean, the, the moment when we saw her and everything, she told it as almost like a funny story. Lah, but I'm sure it must be pretty scary when you actually have to go to hospital for this. Lah. I see. So so the reason also why we're talking about it is because, yeah, like her, their condition made the news uh, because it does sound very scary. Lah. Uh, and also a lot of spin instructors came out to clarify that, okay, this is not a new thing. They have seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that, you shouldn't exert yourself too much in any physical activity that you do. Mm. And then they recommended, you know, like doing things at your own pace um, and keeping hydrated. But I know some some people have also commented or some people I'm sure believe that if you go to a class like spin class and all that, because there's, it's almost a very communal experience, you're doing it together, which is why the people, the, the reason why a lot of people go to class, you're doing it together, you want to push yourself. Mm. That's when sometimes you push yourself too hard. Mm. Uh, I know I had one friend because a few years ago I was living with a bunch of friends and one of my good friends who I was living with, he actually signed up for a CrossFit intro class. So uh, this was over, uh, I think it was the weekend or something. So me and my housemates were all at home when he went for the class in the morning. So then he came back in the afternoon and he was like, um, wow, that was damn shack class. I mean, it felt good, but it was damn shack. Mm. So we were chilling out the whole day and then the whole afternoon he was like, wow, actually, uh, I don't feel too good, guys. Then we were like, hey, shut up. Like, you went for one CrossFit class. Okay, you shut the fuck up. The whole time he was like, oh my God, I, I don't feel too good. You know what I mean? Okay, you know, just rest, relax. And yeah, like, I definitely rolled my eyes. Mm. Then by dinner, I think he didn't eat. He just went to sleep. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're like, what the hell is what the hell is wrong with yeah. him? Like, we're like, I had this guy go for one CrossFit class, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Then the next morning, we we woke up. I mean, we went through our night. We slept normal time. We woke up the normal time the next day. And then when we saw him the next time, um, yeah, like, his, his, his left hand was, his left arm, yeah. like, his left arm was normal size. His right, a- right arm was fucking a balloon. Oh, man. Um, it was huge. It was so huge that his skin was pulled so tight that his arm was shiny. Oh. And <laughs> it was we were like, what the fuck happened? So I don't I don't think he got uh, until like the rhabdomyolysis um extent mm. because that is 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 serious. But he got like the early signs mm. la. And from what I understand, right, is I mean because after that the next few days, yeah, his arm was swollen. Of course, we told him, okay, you know, that was the time when we were all on Tinder and all, and we told him, okay, dude, take a picture of this side because you look fucking jacked. Uh. You know, his <laughs> sleeve was tight and all. 
<laughs> so, so there's a whole bunch of pictures somewhere we we forced him to like bend his arm even though he could hardly bend his arm yeah. and from what i understand talking to him the what had actually happened is okay when you go work out um the how you build muscle is essentially you work out you you cause your muscle to have these micro tears mm-hmm. like, you know you exert it by doing weights and you know, micro tears and then it grows back stronger and bigger and that's when with more protein you slowly gradually build mm-hmm. it like. what i understand happened in his case was he pushed himself so hard mm-hmm. that the micro tears became like not so micro anymore mm-hmm. so the muscles literally started breaking down yeah. like, the muscle cells yeah. And the reason why his arm swelled up is because like any injury you have when there's stuff that's going on with your cells that's break down, it swells up. Mm. So a few days later when the swelling subsided, he literally lost mass mm. on the right side of his body. Like. Ouch. So, wow. yeah, so it was fucking scary. And when we asked him, what the hell happened during CrossFit? He said, yeah, like, he paired up and the instructor was like, okay, you guys are going to do 200 push-ups per pair. If you take turns, do 10, 10, 10, 10. So the longer your partner takes, the more, the longer you have to do it. It's a whole kind of like, you mm. know, as a team, you push yourself right, right. and he just took it too far. Mm. So, so I was thinking this one, I mean, you can't, you can't blame the instructors, mm, mm. Uh, but then do you blame the sport, blame the, the place? I mean, everyone goes to a fitness class, you know that if you get injured, you can't just blame it on the class. Yeah, la, right? but I think, I think they, uh, this is not just a Singapore phenomenon. Like, I think a lot of people who do spin classes, in fact, if you, you can mm. literally find it on YouTube. Spin uh, spin class, rhabdomyolysis is one of the one of the suggestions oh, really? that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So that, I mean, it happens even in the US and all these places where basically because of the nature of spin, um, where it's a low impact exercise and you're not really carrying your body weight during the exercise, like, right? So and there's loud music yeah, and it's like a club, yeah. right? So a lot of people get into it and they and they just like follow along and they don't realize that this is like way more exercise they've, than they've been doing for the last year or something already, lah. And 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 uh, mm. they just push themselves to a point where where yeah, like everything it seems like a normal sore, but it's too much, lah. Actually, actually, I I have had a close shave or so before, um, after mm. one like particularly intensive army remedial training session uh, where I mm. think the instructor was taking elements from uh, because you know SAF like they outsource a lot of the training to civilian organizations so the instructor mm. was taking some CrossFit elements and putting it into the remedial training uh, and then and like you said you know there's a lot of like uh, oh, we all do this station together kind of thing and let's, let's do the reps together and finish it together that kind of feeling so I think I just overdid yeah. it to a point when I mean I felt fantastic after the workout. I felt like, you know, wow, I could conquer the world. But after that I got home, uh yeah, I started having a fever, my leg started to buckle, my my left knee became useless. Like and then like I had a fever at like when I woke up in the middle of the night with cold sweat, and then my wife had to bring me to drive me to a clinic at 3 a.m. We had to find a 24 hour clinic, mm. and I couldn't even drive because my knee, I couldn't even bend my knee. Like, like I had lost all, uh, I had lost all control of my, my leg already, like, basically. Like, like, I, I, mm. like, my brain would be saying, okay, bend your knee, but my, my leg just couldn't move already. So, so it was, it mm. was like that. And then I went to the doctor. And it was like I remember that night, like it was like a locum. It was three a.m. He was obviously sleeping in the in the in the bed at the back. And then when they came out, and then he saw me, and I told him I went, I did RT, and then now my leg is like them swollen. He looked at me like I was an idiot for coming to him. Like he's like, I think you're just like too tired. Here's some Panadol, and you know, go back and sleep. <laughs> Serious? I was like, no, I but felt like an idiot, like, yeah. 
So this is what happened with my housemate also. The morning after when we saw him, he actually did tell us at 4am he went to the A&E himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then? So, so I mean... Then what did they do? They just on, on sent one, him home, right? Yeah, they just sent yeah, him home. Yeah. And I mean, we felt a little bad for making fun of him the day before. <laughs> Uh, but it was just a very fleeting moment, yeah, like very yeah, fleeting yeah. moment. So, so when I hear from people who suffer from this, I mean, you have to commend these people for pushing themselves, lah, mm. right? Um, I guess you know the the concept was like, yeah, whatever doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. Yeah. Uh, maybe that needs to be updated, mm. lah. You know what? Whatever doesn't kill you might make you stronger, but it will it might also make you have rhabdomyosis, myelosis, yeah, Exactly. And and it mean, just funny that we're talking about Zook now, cause like. I think Zook now partners with a spin cycle studio. Oh yeah, that's and true. So a lot of I, I see a lot of people like posting about going to Zook on a more they they leave Zook at six thirty a.m. in the morning, and not not because they're drunk having party the night before, but because they <laughs> they fucking whack spin class and all that like, which is damn funny. No, like. maybe maybe Substation saw the proposal from NEC. You know, one of the arts <laughs> groups was this interpretively. Uh, interpretive dance come spin class thing where they will be sharing a space with her and they're like you know what Fuck we've that. seen Zook go down this path <laughs> fuck that shit yeah. okay we don't want to have spin cycle part of our art gallery yeah. uh, or art ecosystem la. so fuck but, off but I can totally imagine like if you step into any club like you know like a Zook especially even during the day if the lights are down and dance music is on and spin class you'll feel like that kind of like that drunk high, like, you know, like when you go partying and you're drunk. Yeah. So, so that's probably what they're feeling at the same time. That's why they just go all dude, out. And like, dude, like I, I went to Barry's once with my girlfriend. Um, and Would I mean, it was one of trial Barry's sounds like a bar. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> What's Barry's? Harry's and yeah. Barry's. Uh, Barry's um, is this chain of um, fitness, uh, how you say, uh, fitness arenas no like uh, 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 what, what do you call a, a, a chain of fitness gyms started by Barry a guy named Barry uh, it's called Barry's Bootcamp la. so he became famous because I think 10-20 years ago he became like the person to go to in Hollywood if you wanted to train la. and he came up with this this workout and all that and he very smartly turned it into a fucking lucrative business and they have outlets all around the world I think Singapore came a few years ago and Barry's they, they do a combination of like weights and treadmill running. Mm. So you go to the, the class, um, you got a line of treadmills and a line of benches with dumbbells. Mm. And you keep alternating back and forth. Yeah. And it's dark. It's like a club. It's loud music. And I fucking hated it, man. Why? I fucking hated Why? it. Because it's expensive. Mm. I think it's a waste of money. Um, I think it's so pretentious. Mm. I think it is so... It, you, I mean, it almost feels like, okay, you're, you're not there to, okay, you're there to exercise just, but you're also there to, you know, look good, be cool, mm. and like, everyone looks good, and you don't want to, it just felt very, because it just felt very, how you say, uh, like a, like two, like you had to, Wait, you, you say, came there to exercise, you say, but you also go to. You say everyone looks good, you mean that, that like, everyone's dressing up, or are they f- saying that I mean, you all look good, or what? Oh, no, no, no. Everyone's dressing up. Everyone looks good. Oh. Um, everyone looks hot. Everyone looks lean, look cut. Or like, at least there are a lie. good proportion of them who look like that. Okay, okay. So it just felt like, ugh, I, I, I didn't like it. I know people love it. Mm. Um, I know there's a bunch of people out there who love it. Uh, I know, I'm guessing some of our listeners also like it. Yeah. But I really didn't like it because it just felt like, wow, you're almost... Like, there were certain times where, like, yeah, I couldn't... And, like, the person next to me was lifting heavier dumbbells and I was like, oh, shit, maybe I should take the heavier one. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? 
I'm a small man, okay? And I'm, and I'm okay with being a small man. Yeah. Um, and this guy who's like one and a half times my size, of course he'll carry dumbbells that are one and a half times as heavy yeah. as mine. I should be okay with that. But at the end of it, I was like, oh, shit, what was that? Was Did I just go to a club at 7 a.m. in the morning? Mm. Uh, or was it, was it exercise? Was it workout? Like, it's so dark that... Um, if people get injured, I won't be surprised like, because when you go on the treadmill, they're like, okay, you know, start at level eight, you know, go to level nine, you can push it, you know, come on, do it for me, do a level 10. And after all, I'm like, no, I just want to, exercise is a long-term game, mm-hmm. man. It's a long-term thing. You go at your own pace and when you're in settings like that, it's hard to go at your own pace. Mm. But I guess, I guess, yeah, so, but um, I guess because there's no more nightlife entertainment, for the past year already. Yeah, this is probably the closest you can get to that feeling. La. So that's why people yeah. are still so addicted to it, la, right? And I mean, Barry's is like a club. It's dark inside. There's loud music. You go out, you can order order smoothies at the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go there, you wait for your smoothie, you make chat chatter at the bar and it just feels like, eh. Mm. And like, unless I'm drunk, I hate being in clubs. So maybe I should go to Barry's drunk. Mm, but that, that's worse. I, go that's worse. I think you will definitely get rhabdomyolysis. If you do that, <laughs> guys, don't. I'll get some. Don't go to some like Don't la. go to spring class drunk. Yeah. Don't go to spring class drunk. Yeah, I mean, we we by no means are fitness experts, yeah. nor are we dispelling any fitness advice. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but yeah, it just felt like oh, uh, okay. I mean, you can't blame the instructors. Uh, but I think you got to know what you're getting into, lah. You know, got to know mm. what you're getting into. I would and be okay with the next person yeah. cycling or carrying heavier weights than you, lah. I would say that you you don't blame the you you can't blame the instructors or the thing, lah. But maybe there needs to be like a bit more um like like what you say, like don't 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 encourage that that whole like comparison kind of thing, lah, between between people. You know. But how? You go work out the day. Everything about working out is so much comp- com- competition, why? <laughs> That's fucking then what? You want people to exercise in cubicles, is it? Exactly. You go to a gym, was, you open a cubicle. I was going to suggest like <laughs> cubicles, uh, you know. So you only see the instructor, cubicles. you don't see people at your left and right. You know. So has 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 officers become more open, gyms become more closed, exactly, like, yeah, right? Yeah. You go into Correct. your little cubicle, you sit at your desk, yeah, you sit at your right? Own. And then you just yeah. cycle. Yeah, yeah exactly. What and you fuck? don't see, it's almost like having blinders. You don't look at other people. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Then maybe you have to do a fitness test to go into the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Then Correct. you got you got your pass A, pass B, pass C. Yeah. Like you, you can't live beyond a certain limit, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be funny. The army is getting rid of yeah, pass right. everything, and then all the gyms introduce it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> That'd be funny, man. Yes, yeah. That's, that's a all right. Crazy. Wow. That's we actually talked quite long, huh? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But but yes, so cool, we're on to our final segment, which is what has been your one shock thing the last few days. Okay, so my one shock thing is um, fuck, it's a it's a YouTube channel that I forgot the name of. Okay, can you say share one shock thing for you first before I go into my? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think just wanted to give a shout out or a bit of an obituary to uh to the actor, the Hong Kong actor, uh, known as Ng Man Tat. I mean, I, I, mm. this is my first time pronouncing his name in English. Like, I always watch his movies, but I never really uh, like actively follow him or what. Although even the, his most recent movie, I, I, I actually watched, but uh, it didn't really register to me that he was in it. La. But he's the guy who appears in uh, alongside Stephen Chow in a lot of classic Hong Kong comedies from the 80s and 90s. And uh, mm-hmm. if you watch Shaolin Soccer, you also will have watched him. So he he's always like the sidekick to... 
Stephen Charles character la. and then so uh, like a lot of uh, Chinese Singaporeans uh, we uh, at least I also grew up watching a lot of the Stephen Chow movies and uh, and watching Mantat as a sidekick la. so he just passed away at the age of 70 um, just mm. a couple of days back and I think for a lot of yeah for a lot of people it's it's uh, yeah he's someone that we grew up watching so we just want to give him a shout out that you know like uh, he's impacted a lot of people's lives and you know even inspired people to pursue whether it's filmmaking or comedy and things like that lah. So hopefully mm. he's resting well wherever he is. I see. That's very sweet of you. I mean, and and the cool thing is that you can actually go on Netflix and uh, there's a bunch of his, his shows that are on Netflix. So if you want like a retrospective, you can actually see that lah. Yeah. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, cool. All right. Uh, my one shook thing, as I mentioned earlier, is a YouTube channel that I re- I recently came across. It's called Bread Boys. Mm. Have you heard no. of it? It's nothing to do with baking or bread or anything like mm. that. It is essentially uh, a channel that uploads very uh, amateurly shot POV videos of a son mm. as he deals with his heretic father. Heretic. So each, yeah, like heretic lah, like a like a medieval mm. wearing a mask and carrying okay. a sword and all that. So every video is very short. It's like 30 to 50 seconds. Mm. And the whole thing always starts off with like his heretic father asking, so son, do you have a girlfriend? Um, and he's like, yeah, I know girlfriends are cool. And he says, show me a picture. And then he shows the dad like a picture of like some anime doll or something. And then the dad goes berserk, takes out a sword and he he wants to chop off the son's head. And then just before he chops it off, um, he they stop the video. Mm. So every video is like that. It always just ends with him, the son either getting abused or shot by his heretic father. Like, and it's fucking hilarious. And they started their channel in 2016, but they only uploaded their first video last January mm. in 2020. And now they already have like 2 million subscribers. Wow. And it's one of those things that you see, you know it it will never exist on TV or anything. It's one of those channels like that has its special sauce that you know can only exist on YouTube. Um, and it's fucking awesome. I love it. Mm, how do you come across love it? Love it. Uh, I think it. I saw it in my uh, on the right-hand column mm. and I saw this video where it showed like a medieval knight with that sort of armor. Uh, it had 2 million views and it was 30 seconds long. And I was like, okay, you know, you can't go wrong with a with a 30 seconds. Mm. Let me just give it a mm. shot. And then it's fucking amazing. And how it started is that I think one of them got a Christmas grif, grif, Christmas gift of that sort of medieval armor with the cross in the middle and that 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 headgear which has very, like just slits for the eyes, the metallic headgear. Mm. So, and then they decided to make, just started making videos. Yeah, they're, they're a bunch of kids in high school. Two kids. That, but you said there's a... It's is fucking a, awesome. Oh, so, the, it's not really a dad. La. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's, that, that's the premise. Okay, okay. It's a son and his dad. It, yeah, I fucking love it. Interesting. But yeah, that is my one show. Nice. This has been a long podcast. But well deserved. La. It's been uh, quite a few yeah, days well since the last one. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right, then. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.